This Thacker Slate podcast is hosted by Connie Thacker and Allison Slate, two experienced attorneys who believe honesty, transparency, and knowledge are key to achieving the best legal outcomes. A variety of topics, particularly those related to sensitive family law matters, are candidly covered by Connie and Allison, other Thacker Slate attorneys, and guests in a refreshing, timely, and practical way for listeners. Welcome to the Thacker Slate podcast. I'm here with my business partner, Allison Slate, and Dr. Merrill Graham. Uh, Dr. Merrill, Merrill Graham uh, is coming to t- talk to us today about her thesis. She has uh, experience in the collaborative divorce professional child specialist area. Uh, she's a registered play therapist, but more importantly, we're going to talk to her today about her dissertation that she did on the subjective experience of children in the reunification process. So Dr. Graham, thank you for being here with us today and welcome. And we just want to sort of turn over the dialogue to you to talk about what you thought about before you started your uh, thesis what you found from your research in data, and then your conclusions. Okay. Well, thank you, and thank you for having me. Uh, I was interested, one of the reasons I went back to school uh, to earn my PhD was that I was very interested in the reunification process, and I wanted to research it more uh, for myself, uh, but to understand if there was a better way for me to help children and to understand the children's experience uh, within this process. So, you know, my intent was to go back to school anyways, but from the day I applied to doctorate school to uh, the day that I graduated, um, I was focused on the children's experience in reunification. So um, having gone to the school that I went to, which uh, ICSW really was kind of the baby of the Chicago Institute for Psychoanalysis. So we looked at, um, through a psychodynamic lens, we looked at relationships and the the growth of a person. Um, And so I entered the program once again with the intention of researching reunification, more specifically a child's experience, their subjective experience, what it was like for them to be in a reunification situation. And um, I, I think Having been, you know, prior to um, starting school, I had facilitated reunification services for about 15 years uh, with some mild successes, Uh, success meaning, you know, the uh, child uh, willingly and healthfully engaging in a relationship with the once rejected parent. Um, so, but I wanted more information. I wanted to know more about the person. I wanted to know more about healthy ways to um, offer reunification services. So when I first started, I was looking at a mixed methods approach using my um, my emotional support dog, Winston the Bulldog, mm-hmm. in therapy. And so um, my, my first um, supervisor at school, uh, told me, okay, I want you to collect 100 articles, 100 research articles on animal-assisted therapy and its success. And so I did and uh, spent well over a year in that area. Um, But in the end, I decided I didn't want a mixed methods approach. I really wanted to look at a more qualitative study, a phenomenological one, meaning I wanted to know about the phenomenon of 
the child uh, of the reunification process, but the child's experience within it. Um, and as you know, I'll just mention briefly that reunification is often court ordered. It, it involves some therapeutic support services, um, but you know, where trained professionals, their goal is to assist in the reconnection process. You know, quite often they're facilitating meetings between the child and the reunifying parent. Um, they will often, you know, they will often also spend time with the preferred parent or the custodial parent uh, to help them uh, manage the process and to prepare the child as well as they can. But, um, you know, my, my goal in the research, uh, once I uh, left the animal assisted therapy uh, piece out, uh, was to gain an understanding of the child's experience again. I wanted to know about their thoughts, their feelings, and, and any wishes they had during the reunification process. I wanted to explore their relationships with the preferred parent and with the reunifying, sometimes rejected parent. Um, I wanted to know about their views of the family, uh, you know, pre and post divorce. I also wanted to know how they felt about themselves during this process. And that was really important to me um, to, to really hear their experience as a child going through this process where they really have very little control other than their own reactions and behaviors, of course. Um, I, so I just wanted to look at reunification and um, I was doing it based on several assumptions, including that there's a, some significant emotional impact after parental separation and divorce. And, uh, you know, those kids that are involved in divorce, especially those that are of high conflict, uh, they may resist or otherwise decline contact with one parent, sometimes even both parents. Um, and some of it may be because of, you know, problems they're having adjusting. Sometimes there's a history of domestic violence or abuse in the home. Sometimes there's alienation. Um, sometimes there's ongoing parental conflict, even years after the divorce. Um, and sometimes there's some, you know, mental health or substance abuse issues in uh, a parent, both parents, even in some of the children. Um, but I also assumed that children are sometimes felt in like they're in the middle, that they have very complex feelings about what's going on. And that in those that participated in my research would be open to discussing their feelings. And so those were the assumptions I, I, I based my research off of. Um, now I looked at the existing literature, um, divorce and its impact on children and families. There's a tremendous amount out there. Parent-child attachment, of course, um, a lot of that out there, grief and loss. Also um, parental alienation, rejection and resistance dynamics mm -hmm. and trauma. Um, so those were some of the areas that um, I did my uh, research on, uh, my, my lit review on actually, before I started the actual um, data collection. Now, when it comes to the methodology of my, my um, dissertation, I wanted to go with a qualitative study. As I mentioned, initially I was looking at a mixed methods, but I decided I wanted to go with qualitative, just listening, just interviewing and listening to the kids. Um, I used what was what is called IPA, which is Interpretive Phenomenological Analysis. And the goal of that is to look at their sense, their meaning making 
in the process. So how they see it, how they're interpreting it, how they're viewing not only others, but themselves within that. And um, I hadn't seen any research on that. I still really have not, uh, although I, I definitely have not done the research lately that I did you know, prior to graduating. Mm -hmm. uh, but I really just wanted, once again, to know what the child's experience is like. Um, I wanted to know what we call their subjective reality, you know, in their words, and their, their, um, in their worlds, their words and their experiences. You know, when it came to the sample um, with IPA research, uh, and this is doctorate level research, um, I could use five to eight children, and I'm sorry if you're hearing my cat in the background meowing, um, but I I, uh, I chose, of all the participants and the potential participants, I was able to choose five that um, I felt would be good research um, participants that were willing to, whose parents were willing to uh, allow them to participate. And um, how did you find this, them? How did you find the five participants? Yes, I am. Um, word of mouth was a big part of it. Um, I also sent uh, letters to attorneys, letting them know I was conducting this research. And um, if any of their parents were interested, parents involved in the reunification process, that is, if any of the parents were interested for them to contact me, because I could not contact them. Um, so I did have um, a number of parents con uh, contact me and some were screened out, but five were um, uh, I was able to use. Were the five and, adults or were they still uh, minors and involved in a high conflict ongoing case or had they already aged out of the, the process? Um, none had aged out of the process by, the, by my final interview. They were all actively engaged in uh, at some phase of the reunification process. Um, and one had I think by my last interview had just turned 17 um, and was still involved, but um, yeah, so they were, they were kind of on the cusp of adulthood there. Was the um, re reunification process that they were in, was it, was it being helpful at the time that you did your data collection or were there still problems with the reunification process? There were still problems with the reunification process. Um, the kids definitely had, you know, some strong feelings about it. Um, and one in particular, it actually made two may have uh, been in a situation where by the end of my involvement in interviewing these children, uh, the reunified parent had dropped out um, for whatever reasons. So, um, you know, then we had the kids that were, you know, initially forced into it. Um, had prepared themselves emotionally and psychologically for it, and then were really mourning another death-like situation where the parent left. So, by leaving, um, you mean no longer participated in the process? Yes, the, yeah. it was the parent's choice. Right. So, once you did the data collection, how long did that process take you? I'm trying to remember. I believe it was seven months. Um, it was around seven months, and um, because I wanted to meet with the children um, at different phases, um, you know, and I, I wanted also to give them time to 
emotionally prepare themselves to come back and talk to me. But I also wanted to give the process some time so that I was seeing the children in different phases of the process. You know, I should also note that at least one of the participants had been through two previous failed reunifications. Uh, So they were actually in their third. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was, you know, really taking a toll on the, on the child. Yeah, Meryl, that was going to be my question was, do they, do the kids from the kids perspective ever feel like they're over therapied through this process? Yes. And I don't recall any of these particular participants saying that, but I certainly have in my history in reunification heard kids say that. And sometimes they feel over therapized, you know, Um, and, you know, this kind of, uh, my, my findings will speak to that, of what kind of toll this has taken on the children. Um, so, and I'll jump ahead a bit. As I, whenever we're collecting data, then we go back, we do coding, we listen, we re-listen to um, the interviews. And with the coding, I came up with four specific categories that were emerging. Um, and, and, in, in the, um, these are, they're semi-structured, but they're pretty much open-ended questions I'm asking just about their life, their perceptions, you know, um, and, and their feelings about the process. But the categories that emerged was uh, they, to- they spoke of reunification as a process. They spoke of themselves as a participant. They heavily spoke of their view of the reunifying parent, especially as them not being loving, having their own mental health issues, um, not understanding them as a child, and the fact that they, the belief was that they weren't, they hadn't effectively addressed their issues prior to sitting in the reunification process with them. Um, and the final category that emerged was their other relationships and, and how it was impacting them in their other relationships. Now, um, the four findings that really emerged uh, from these categories were that, first of all, the child participant felt a loss of actual and desired connection to others, which means that this process uh, was emotionally draining for them, time-consuming, and uh, as a result of it, they felt like they were losing connection to others. Yeah, it sort of goes back to Allison's comment about <clears throat> having too much therapy because the complaints that we hear from uh, our clients through their children is that most of this, the therapy is only, you know, the therapists are working nine to five Monday through Friday and the only time that they can somehow seem to get there is to miss their sports or to miss time with their friends or to miss school to get to these therapy appointments. And so that big loss of connection to others I would assume is probably pretty big the longer the process goes on. And then we try to, we sometimes see kids will just say, okay, I'm just going to go along with it and I'll be willing to do it, but they're not doing it in a healthy uh, engagement. So it'd be interesting to hear those four areas of what you found other than I I do uh, see quite often the one, the first one that you were just talking about, about the loss of connection to others and the process taking its toll. I mean, some of these things take forever. And I don't 
personally really see the reunification process when we seem to start it. Nobody does a mental health assessment of the parties or the child before we get started. We just say it's broken down, <clears throat> so we're just going to put them into reunification therapy. Well, and you make a very good point, Connie, because I think that if um, all the parties, I'm not sure about the child, but uh, the parents, if they had psyche valves to begin with, you would have a better idea. The reunification therapist would have a better idea about um, the parent's ability to support the process and to, um, you know, maintain a healthy stance within the process. You know, one of the um, limitations of my research not only was, you know, the limitation, the limited number of participants, but that um, I really focused heavily on uh, the reunifying parent and not the um, custodian or preferred parent. But once again, my research came out of the children's experience. Right. So they were heavily focused on, um, you know, the reunifying with, with the parent. Um, you know, another thing, and, and this kind of speaks to what you were just saying, you know, another finding was that the participants felt that they had a loss of control within their relationships. They, they, couldn't control how much time they spent with people. Um, you know, therapy was affecting the time that they had with extended family, with friends, with neighbors, with peers. Um, the, the, another finding was that they didn't feel heard and valued. So they, and, and this came up, and, and this is something that I, I, I definitely am attuned to now is they don't feel heard and valued. They don't feel that in the process that they're really being heard. They're feeling minimized. You know, um, I, I mentioned in my paper, um, and this is more a self-psychological term, about ego depletion. They feel less than, you know, and, and any therapist knows that um, when a child feels like that within a relationship, they contribute to distortions in their view of themselves, and they last throughout life, you know. Hmm. Um, yeah. And that is what we believe can cause psychological harm, you know, in the process if they're, they feel unheard, if they feel like they're minimized or they're not valued, then that is affecting their view of themselves, their view of themselves in the context of that relationship with that reunifying parent, but also in this whole system, the reunification process. Right. And perhaps the most important, for me anyways, finding was that these participants felt a lack of positive parental affect and sensitivity. So this means that they did not feel like um, those parents or reunifying parents were warm and loving and accepting. Um, and that really affected the children's view of the reunification process and probably contributed to what some people may consider to be trauma-like um, reactions in the kids or, you know, trauma-like variables. And, you know, when we talk about understanding trauma in childhood, I, I read a uh, very good uh, quote by um, Dr. Margaret Blaustein, I believe her name was, and she quoted that traumatic experience are, experiences are those that are overwhelming invoke intense negative affect and involve some degree of loss of control and or vulnerability. So isn't that exactly what these kids were telling me in their experience? So, you know, from a trauma lens, you know, that, that this is, um, it's a bit disturbing, 
you know. Yeah, did you find all four of those categories, which is the loss of connection, the loss of control, the loss of not being heard and valued and sort of this lack of parental um, caring, did you find that with all of the five subjects that you interviewed? Um, I would have to go back specifically, um, but I would say um, recalling them, it's been a few years now, but recalling the individual participants, I believe they would all agree to that because, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I definitely think so because um, they, they all felt that um, they didn't have control. They did not feel heard and valued. And there's no doubt about it. They all had some criticisms of the or concerns that the reunifying parent wasn't attuned, wasn't, uh, you know, sensitive and loving. Um, even for uh, the participant who's, both participants whose parents uh, dropped out, one in particular um, did feel loved. And, uh, but after that happened, they questioned it. So, so to answer your question, yeah, I think the four findings pretty much were across the board with all um, five participants. What was your overall um, finding, if you um, even made a finding? What was the children's view of the reunification therapist? Did they have an, a good alignment with the therapist? Did they feel that the therapist was hearing them? Or did they have criticisms of the actual therapist? I mean, how do they feel about the person who was doing it? Um, what did come out, not all of the participants really spoke about the reunification therapist, but what did come out from several of them was that it was too long, too long of a process, that they let the reunifying parent kind of have the floor for too long and they didn't ask the child for their experience, how they're feeling in the moment. Um, and But the other thing was that... Um, they one child in particular commented on the homework they had to do and that their their view of the homework was that it was very heavily uh, put on the child and much less so on the parent the reunifying parent and that um you know it was they found that disenchanting to the process they were um not pleased with that so based on your um data collection in your interviews and um, your findings. What's your view now on the reunification process? Um, that's my first question. And then my second question is, do you know of anybody else who's done similar research that you've done? Well, um, I'll, I'll start with the, um, the first question. My view has been uh, that I no longer offer forced reunification my concern is that um, it's just not healthy for the children and it can be traumatizing. Um, so I no longer offer forced reunification, which means that if a child and a parent are saying, hey, we have some real problems, we wanna work through them, you know, then um, we can we consider that family therapy, you know, from a systemic view, of course. Uh, but those are the cases that I take now just because um, I have some real concerns about the process. Um, I, I think that um, a number of the professionals that facilitate these services are very good clinicians, and, and they're great, um, great individuals. But I just don't have a lot of faith in the in the process. Um, and then to answer your second question, I am not aware of any um, any 
research that specifically involves the interviewing and the subjective experience of the children in reunification. And uh, I would hope that um, research would continue in this um, in this area, but um, I'm not aware of any at this point. Yeah, it sure is a big area, and we see this a lot in our divorce practice, for sure. Well, Dr. Graham, we really want to thank you for joining us today. And those listeners, if you're interested in reading the thesis, uh, you can contact our office for a link. But the title is The Subjective Experience of Children in the Reunification Process. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Connie. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Thacker Slate podcast. If you have additional questions, do not hesitate to contact us at 616-888-3810 or visit our website, thackerslate.com, for further information.